Well, good morning. morning. Wasn't that amazing? You remember that one of the purposes of our worship is to get our minds and our hearts into a place where we can hear from God. And that's my prayer for you right now, is that you are in a place now where you are ready to receive the word that God has for you. So one of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of Isaiah. And in the book of Isaiah, there is a very special chapter that carries great weight with me, and it's chapter 6. When you hear these words, you'll probably know exactly what I'm talking about, but it kind of goes like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. When this book was written, this chapter, it was during a time when the world as Uzziah knew it was falling into chaos, very much like what a lot of people think today. Now, Uzziah was a godly king. He was a descendant of King David. And what you need to understand is that for the most part, he followed in the steps of what the Lord intended for him to do. However, something happened to him. And the Bible tells us that as he grew stronger, he also grew in his pride. The Bible tells us that one day, King Uzziah, who was full of himself, he went into the temple, and he went to the altar of incense, and the Bible says he took some of the incense, and he went to offer it to the Lord, and immediate the Lord struck him with leprosy. And the rest of his life, He lived outside of the city, the lonely life of a leper. And that, my friends, is how the chaos began in the days of Uzziah. Now, excuse me, Isaiah is the one now who who is speaking. And Isaiah describes for us what he sees. I don't know about you, but oh, would I love to be in Isaiah's shoes. I mean, he looks up and he looks into the heavens. God takes that barrier and he kind of removes it. And he allows Isaiah with his human eyes to see what is going on in the heavens. And he describes it for us. Remember what he says? I saw the Lord. And what was he doing? He was sitting on his throne. What you need to understand what that means is that God was sitting on his throne, watching over the earth, and everything was under control. It didn't matter what was happening on the earth and what the people thought was happening. God was in total control, even in the times when the people felt like the world was getting chaotic. And I don't know about you, but right now, in getting ready to go into an election year, sometimes I look and I think, wow, this world is heading into a bad place. But what I want you to remember this, the Bible tells us, look up. Keep your eyes up. Keep looking at the Lord because everything that happens on this earth first has to go and filter through his fingertips, right? Now, at that point in time, the Lord asks a question. And the question that he asks is, who can I send? Who will go for us? In other words, God's got work to be done. 
And the question he's asking Isaiah, his servant, is, whom shall I send? And what does Isaiah do? Man, he raises his hand. Here I am. Send me. Send me. But the question is, is why was he so quick to volunteer? And the answer is given to us just a couple verses before that. Do you remember what happened? Isaiah described to the Lord, he says, I am a man with unclean lips. And what does the Lord do? The Lord takes a coal off of the altar and he sends in cherubim and he goes down and he touches Isaiah's lips to show him, you are forgiven. Now here's what I want you to understand, my friends. God has given us some work to do. And I know that our own human and our own humanness, one of the things that we say is this, I can't do this on my own. I'm not worthy to be used of God. And God says, oh, no, 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 you forget what my son Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. Here's what I want you to understand. The reason that Isaiah was so quick to volunteer was because God had reminded him he is a forgiven child of the king. And my friends, when you realize and recognize that you belong to God, that you are his child, and that you have been forgiven, our natural response should always be, God, what would you have me do for you? Now stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 13, and I'm going to begin at verse 27. Here we go. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I want to live my life like Caleb and Joshua, believing the promises of God. But I too must confess that there are too many times that I live in fear, just like those 10 spies who believed the giants were bigger than their God. Today, Father, open my eyes that I might see And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. (laughs) 
So remember last week, whether you were here or you watched it online, we talked about that we're starting this new campaign, this new refresh initiative, and we compared it to is that we're running out of the tunnel. Now we're out on the field, okay? The game hasn't quite started yet, but we're here to get some last-minute instructions from the coach before we begin the game, and that's exactly what we're going to do here today, okay? So let me give you a little bit of background of kind of what's going on. Right now, in our story, we're at a place called Kadesh Barnea. It's a border town. And what I need you to understand is the whole Israelite gang is there at this place. There are millions of people who are gathered at this border town, and the reason they're gathered there is they're about to go over into the promised land. However, if I were to tell you the truth, it would be as that the Israelites are not in a good place spiritually. You see, they're complaining. And the reason they're complaining is they're complaining about the lack of meat that they've had. Now, before I go any further, I want you to listen to how the Bible describes their attitude. And the Bible says this, all of Israel began to crave the good things from Egypt. Did you hear that? That's how the Bible describes what was going on. You see, you remember that God went to Egypt to deliver them to get Egypt out of them. And after all this time in the wilderness, they still have a lot of Egypt in them. And that was a major problem. But there was something else that was going on. Even Moses' own family, his sister Miriam and his brother Aaron, were complaining about Moses. In other words, they were criticizing him. Take a look at this. Hasn't he also spoken through us? This is what Miriam said. And the Lord heard this. I think that's a great quote out of the Bible. So Miriam's ticked at her brother because he had married a Cushite woman. And when the Lord heard what Miriam said, you know what he did immediately? The Bible says he struck her with leprosy. You know why? because she spoke against the Lord's anointed. And how God took her complaint was this. So you're telling me that my choice of a leader is not a good one. Now, before we go any farther, I want you to listen very carefully to how God describes Moses. And wouldn't you like to be described in this way? Look at what it says here. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That's God's words about his own servant, his anointed one. So Moses was obedient to God, and what did Moses do? He sent out the 12 spies. They were to go into the promised land, and they were to go all throughout the promised land, and they were to come back with the report, okay? But you remember what happened when they came back with the report? Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, come on, let's go get them. But there were 10 of the spies that said, "Uh, there's some pretty big boys over there. Here's what the Bible says. Take a look at this. 
That night, all of the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if we only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Now, you know what's really interesting about this verse? Be careful what you pray for, because that's exactly what happened to them. They all died in the wilderness. Why did they die. They, got, they died because they were disobedient to God, and they had their eyes on the problem rather than on Him. So now we find ourselves once again at Kadesh Barnea. The only difference is it's now 40 years later. Watch this. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees and pomegranates. Sounds like a place you might want to go, right? There we go. Olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. So once again, here are these three million plus people and everything before them, what they see is they see the promised land right before them. But now the Lord wants to remind them 40 years ago, your ancestors, your parents, your grandparents were standing in this place and they did not go in because they were afraid. And so now here is this new generation and as they look behind them, what they see are the graves of all of those people who did not believe God. And because they did not believe God, they could not go in. But now, when they look before them, they see the promised land. And everything that they see, God has promised to give them. A land flowing, the Bible says, with milk and honey. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When the Bible says it was a land flowing with milk and honey, it doesn't mean it was flowing with milk and honey. What it means is this. It was a phrase that the Hebrews used, and it meant abundance. In other words, what was there was in abundance. Now, there was one problem, and the problem or the obstacle or the test was what was right before them, and what was right before them was this little thing called the Jordan River. When I was in Israel and I saw the Jordan River, it was maybe 100 feet wide. No big deal. We even got baptized in it. But there's something different about this Jordan River because it's during the harvest season, and the Bible tells us that the water, the rain that had come down, had overflowed the banks. And so now, this Jordan River, that is normally 100 feet wide, is over a mile wide. The water is rushing, it is moving quickly, it's turbulent, and there is a great roar among them. Now, isn't it interesting? It almost seems like God planned this, doesn't it? But isn't that true in your life? Whenever God is about to give you something, whenever God is about to ask you to step out in faith, doesn't he always put an obstacle in front of you? He does me. And the obstacle is this Jordan River that now all of a sudden is at flood stage. 
So what are the people supposed to do? I mean, here they are. They've got this, this Jordan River in front of them, and they've got to figure out a way that they can get to the other side. But here's what I want you to understand about this. God doesn't want them to try and figure out a way that they can get across. He wants them to begin to come to their knees to focus on him so he can provide what they need to get them across so that he can receive the glory. My friends, can you think of times in your life when God had given you something to do You had a big decision to make. Maybe it was with your job. Maybe it was in your family. You had a big decision to make, and you want to make the right decision, but there's these obstacles before you. What I want you to know is that's from God. You see, God wants to test you so that he knows that you're worthy of what he has for you, but you have to pass the test first. My friends, God loves to put obstacles in front of you that you can see with your eyes so that you will know that if you, that if God doesn't show up, you're going to fall flat on your face. Can you think of some examples in the Bible about it? What about Elijah? Remember Elijah? God told Elijah, it was 600 prophets to one. God said, Elijah, go up to the mountain. You're going to offer a sacrifice. So he does that. Then he goes, okay, before before I do what I'm going to do, throw water on it. Or what about Lazarus? Now, we're going to make sure Lazarus isn't dead just one day or two days or three days. We're going to make sure he's dead four days so people know that it's going to be almost impossible unless God shows up to bring this about. Or what about Gideon? Gideon thought, if I had this huge army, I'll be able to conquer for the Lord. But God says, nope, too many, too many, too many. I just need a couple hundred. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They told the king, hey, we're not bowing down to you. So what did they do? They made the furnace seven times hotter. You see, God likes to throw obstacles in our, right in front of us, so that he can demonstrate it to us that he's the one that's going to get us through, not ourselves. So now the people know, you know what, if God doesn't show up, there's going to be three million people stranded on the banks of the Jordan River. Now I want you to listen very carefully. What did God tell them to do? The Bible tells us he told them to cross over. This is a very important phrase that is used in the Hebrew, and the word crossed over means, listen carefully, to go from what is known to what is unknown. Didn't I just describe faith for you? What is faith? Faith is is being sure of what we hope for, but certain of what we do not see, right? God is asking us to step out in faith. Why? So he can show up and he can receive the glory. So where we are right now, we're in the known. We like to be in the known because I know how much is in my bank account. I know how much is in my 401k. I know all those things about me. And right now, life is good. But what God's asking us to do is this, step into the unknown. But I'm not sure what's going to happen when I get there. What if I lose everything? What if I can't make my payments? God says, you're going to have to trust me. 
you're going to have to step on faith because you don't know what's going to happen. However, remember, I'm looking for men and women who will follow me by faith. All right. Now, I think it's kind of funny with what happens next. God makes them stay there three days. Three days, all these people had to stare at that obstacle. Three nights when they went to bed, they heard that roaring every single night. And in their minds, they're thinking, how in the world are we going to do it? And what God wants to teach them, once again, you're not going to be able to do it, but if you follow me, I will do it for you. Now, there's three things that I just want you to learn this morning, just three things, three things that we can learn from the people crossing over into the promised land, okay? Here's the first thing. If you want to move forward, you must first look backward. If you're having a decision to make right now, if life is hard, if God is asking you to step out into something that is unknown, if you want to move forward, the first thing you got to do is look backward. Look at what the scriptures teach us here. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands? You see, what God wanted the children of Israel to know was this. I want you first to look back over the last 40 years and let's think about all the things that I did for you. You see, right now, you're looking at me through your problems. I need you to look at your problems through me because I am a big God and there isn't anything I can't do. And just to remind you, do you remember how every day for the last 40 years I led you through the wilderness? And how did I do it? I did it with a cloud by the day and I did it with a pillar of fire by night. Oh, and by the way, do you remember how every day you had water, every day you had food? I even made sure you had the firewood that you needed to make your food. So I did a little bit of research and I thought this was kind of funny. Do you realize how much water it would take for, to, so that Israel could have water to drink in one day? There was some guy who did some research and he figured out with approximately the number of people were there and he found out that for every one of the Israelites to be able to drink every day, they would need 11 million gallons of water every day. Can you believe that? That's a freight train filled with tanker cars 1,800 miles long. And God did that every single day. This past week, I was in Pastor George's office, and we were talking, and he handed me a piece of paper, and he said, Pastor Bob, I want you just to take a look at this. This last week, what, or this last, what I did is I just went back, and, and I wrote down all the things that I'm thankful for that God did for me in this past year. Oh, I wish you could have read the things that he wrote down. I was so touched, not just emotionally, but spiritually, as God reminded me once again, I am here. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you just need to take some time and write down, just in the last year, maybe in the last month, how has God been with you and how has he shown up in your life? This is one of my favorite miracles that God did. Take a look at this. 
Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Yet the Lord says, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. I want to shop at that store. Right? Can you imagine? Have you ever had a pair of shoes that lasted you 40 years? 40 years, and they didn't grow up. And the clothes, none of the clothes wore out. If that's not God saying, showing us, see, I'm here with you every step of the way, and I will never leave you. Now, let me ask you this. Why are you telling us this, Pastor Bob? And here's the answer. Because a lot of people think the Bible isn't relevant today. And I think what the Bible is saying to each one of us in here, God does not change. And just as he took care of the Israelites he has, and he will take care of you. Amen? Amen? All right, let's go on. Here's the next thing. You have to remember God is with us. You can't be afraid. I don't know about you, but I can remember when my grandpa used to tell me, hey, I need you to go down into the barn and pick up something and then bring it back, and I would go into that barn, and I'm telling you, that was a big barn, and it was awful dark. And my grandfather probably could see on my face that I was scared to death to go down to that barn. You know what he would do? He would simply say this, how about I go with you? Yeah, now I'm good. And that's what God is saying to us. I want to ask you a question. Do you remember how did God show his presence in the lives of the Israelites? How did he show his visible presence? Do you remember what it was? It was called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was before the people, and they had to keep a distance away from it. And that Ark of the Covenant was the proof that God's presence was with them. Now watch this. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. All right, now, here's the question. Where did God tell them to go and stand? Did he tell them, just go and get your big toe wet and then everything's good? Nope. It literally means go and stand in the middle of the water. Now, remember, this was raging water. This was a powerful, turbulent water. And now, here goes the leaders. And if you want to know, where did you get this whole thing about leaders go first? It's from right here. Leaders always go first. You know why? Because God's expectations on a leader are different than everyone else. And if you're a leader for God, you know what that means? That means you must set the example. So the leaders go out, but Joshua told them, by the way, don't just go stand in the water. I need you to go stand in the middle. That's where he told them to stand. Now, here's what I want you to understand, and hear me loud and clear. We can go through anything if we know we have our eyes on God, right? And so when these men, the Ark of the Covenant, went into the water, they could see God went before them. But there was something else that happened, you guys. Not only did God go before them, when they walked through the Jordan River, guess who was right there with them in the obstacle. It was God. God is saying, I'm not just leading you into something. I'm going to take you into it, but I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. But he didn't just stop there either. Not only did he lead them, not only was he with them, he followed behind them, and he completed the task. 
What I want you to understand, your God is the good shepherd. He leads, but he's also Emmanuel, God with us. And he is also our great protector as he follows us and completes what we have started. Here's the next one. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, let's say it together, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from east and west. Ladies, how would it make you feel for your husband to say to you, you are precious? Men, how would it feel for your spouse to look at you and say, I trust your leadership as you follow God, right? One last thing here. The promise of God is always before us. What I want you to simply remember is this. God, in the miracle of what took place at the Jordan River, just simply recreated the same miracle that he had done at the Red Sea. If I were in that group of those next generation walking across the Jordan River, I think I would say something like this. Hey, Lori, um, I think this is what our folks were telling us about. I think this is what grandpa and grandma were talking about. Remember how they talked about when they got to the sea and they couldn't cross, and on one side were the Egyptians, and you remember what Moses said? He said, just stand back and behold the mighty arm of God, and they walked across on dry ground, right? He goes, dude, we're doing the same thing. We're walking across on dry land. Boy, if this doesn't prove that God is with us, I don't know what will, right? And that's exactly what God did. All right, now, what do we need to do? Here it is. As soon as the priests who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So here's what we need to do. Number one, we need to get ready. So what does it mean to get ready? If you were to ask me what it is that, you're look, that I'm looking for from you, I would not tell you I'm looking for your money. I would not tell you that I'm looking for your commitment cards. Here's what I would tell you. Get all the information you can and then get on your knees. I need you on your knees because it's not gonna matter what I say. What matters is what God says. And so you know what? We're gonna give you that opportunity. Right outside in the grand foyer on both sides, we're gonna have a week that we've set aside, our prayer team has set aside, where we're gonna to pray to God seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Can you imagine what's gonna happen? And you know what, you don't have to come here to church to do it, you can do it at home. 
maybe you want to get up at 3 in the morning and say, Lord, I'm going to spend an hour with the Lord at 3 a.m. You know what? God bless you. But for a week, can you imagine what's going to happen to this church? And I'm not talking about a building. Can you imagine what's going to happen to a people who fall on their knees before God, understanding we've been set apart for a reason? This place will be changed. Here's the second thing. We have to be courageous. We have to demonstrate faith over fear. Okay? And I will tell you that, you know what? How do miracles come along? They begin with one word, obedience. As you are obedient to God, he will take care of the rest because that's his promise. And then here's the last thing. Let's be an example to our kids. Not a bad one like what happened in this story, but let's be a good example for our children because I want to tell you something. Our children are not going to remember what we said. They're going to remember what we did. You know what? I want our kids involved in this. So on February 18th, I'm going to the children's ministry. And some Wednesday, I'm going to come up and spend time with Pastor Jordan and the youth and also the middle school youth because I want them on this journey. I know some people are probably thinking, dude, you'd even take money from a child? But here's what I want you to understand. I'm not interested in their money. What I'm interested is what God's going to do in their lives and how their life is going to be transformed because they trusted God in this situation. And later on in life, when they need him, they can always look back and say, I remember how God was with me in that moment. You bet I'm ready to step out in faith. Look at this scripture verse here. He said to the Israelites in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. I can't tell you how fun it was to be able to tell our children about how God showed up. And it was even greater when they got to see it with their own eyes. Your children need to see you with your Bible open maybe tears running down your face. They need to see the worry on your face that if God doesn't show up, this doesn't happen. But then when God does show up, they need to hear the stories because it may be exactly what they need to get out of a predicament that God has allowed them to fall into. Now I wanna tell you now, as we move forward in this in these next weeks to come, I am so excited, but I want to re- report to you another, another thing real quickly is that our leadership right now, this is the number that we're at. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited that our leaders had stepped up to the plate, okay? Now, can I just be real honest with you about something, okay? I got to tell you that when these problems started happening, the last thing in my mind was this, let's build another building, That was the last thing on my mind. We just came out of COVID. We had not just survived, but we had thrived through COVID, and things are going good. And all of a sudden, things started falling apart. One by one, then five by five, and now we've got some problems. I want you to know, and I want you to hear from my heart, your pastor's heart. I believe God is in this. 
I believe that God is doing a new work. And the thing that he's, he's concerned about is not how the building's going to look when it's done. What he's most concerned about is the transformation that's going to take part in the people's lives when they stepped out of faith and they believed him. And that's what I am most excited for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this place that you have us. And I know, Lord, that this did not happen by chance. It happened because you brought us to this place. And how do we know that? Because you were here waiting for us. God, I get this. This isn't something that we want to do. But you know what? You have brought us to this place, and you have invited us. You've not commanded. You haven't told us we have to get involved. You've invited us. And so, Father, I pray that we will be a church just like Isaiah who says, Father, there's work to be done. Here am I. Send me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.